Well, let's look at the word of the Lord together today from Isaiah chapter 1. Now, if you've heard me preach before, you probably know that I normally have my binder, right? And I like to use it. Well, the printer didn't want to work this morning. So I'm using my computer, and uh, if a technical difficulty happens, you'll probably be aware because uh, it might go haywire, but I think we'll be all right. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20. Now, we need to remember that the book of Isaiah is a book of prophecy from the prophet Isaiah to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. He warns of the coming judgment and also gives signs of the coming purification and restoration. The first chapter of Isaiah is pretty harsh, but also shows that people had missed the mark quite badly. So let's start with our scripture today, Isaiah chapter 1. We'll read verses 10 through 20, and and you can remain seated as this uh, might take a second here. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you came to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter. Some versions there say, Come now, let's argue this out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, thanks be to God. Now, we need to remember, as I said, this is a pretty harsh chapter of Scripture and and prophecy, and it it, kind of steps on you a little bit there. But we need to remember that these words weren't written directly to us for today. Sodom and Gomorrah are the recipients of these words. And if you know nothing about Sodom and Gomorrah, just think of some, some terrible places. There was a lot of bad things going on, very ungodly things. And the Lord is saying to them, to Sodom and Gomorrah, this ter- these terrible places, that their sacrifices are not meaningful. When all they're trying to do is stay on the nice list and not get on the naughty list. Well, Christmas is approaching, and our kids are in here today. And I know all of us, if we think back long enough, we can remember the days of wanting to be on the nice list and not the naughty list, Right? It wasn't so much that we cared what list we were on, but we cared about presents, right? We wanted 
to not get coal. We had never met anyone that got coal, but we didn't want to get coal ourselves. Why would we want to be the first? You wondered if Santa knew about that time that you put gum in your sister's hair. Or about that lie that you told your parents. You see, these sacrifices that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were giving were not an attempt to, to correct the relationship, to please God. But rather, they were an attempt to not end up getting coal in their stocking. They just didn't want to be on the naughty list. It wasn't about relationship. It was about transaction. Is this sounding familiar? <laughs> Relational God, not a transactional God. Next, it says that your new moons and appointed festivals, festivals my soul hates. To hear that God hates something directly that is going on has got to be quite frightening. And your first thought might be, oh no, Ryan, we had a festival yesterday. <laughs> we did. You're correct. Is God mad about our fall festival? Were we wrong for doing that? I don't think so. Let's not get carried away. Let's remember, the festivals that the people were having that Isaiah was referring to are festivals that were celebrating idols. They were festivals that were saying, hey, we, we, we need some rain, so let's have a festival for the God of rain. Oh, we need an abundance of crops. Let's, let's have a festival to the God of whatever crop we need. Let's throw a party. The goal of these festivals was to exalt other names that were not Yahweh. And this is a big, big no-no. These were much more than just birthday parties. I want you to hear that. These were full-on festivals that did more than simply just show appreciation for something or someone. These were idolatrous. Next, he says, when you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. The first picture that came into my head reading this is, is thinking of Peter walking on the water to Jesus, right? When Peter begins to sink, he reaches for Jesus and Jesus pulls him back up. But you see, there was, there was already a relationship between Peter and Jesus. Peter was not some stranger that Jesus said, come walk out on the water. But they had a relationship. There was history. It was not perfect, but it was a relationship and it was moving forward. Yahweh is saying to the people of Judah that they're, they're are, they are not in relationship with him. So when they randomly reach out in hopes that something saves them, and not salvation, but more, we don't really know you, this God. We could use some rain. We could use some crops. We could use a little more money. Hmm. He'll look back and say, I don't know you. He goes on to say that he won't even listen to their prayers. And then this, this line that just really just gruesomes things up. I didn't mean to do this the day before Halloween, but their hands are full of blood. What is this saying to us? They're a guilty people. Not only are they guilty, but they've wasted good animals as sacrifice when they were not in the heart, to, in the right heart to set to be sacrificing these animals. There is blood on their hands, and they are guilty. 
Well, Yahweh, being different than any other God, now gives a way in which they can be cleansed from that blood on their hands. He says to them, wash your hands, remove those evil things from your life, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Hmm, another theme we keep hearing, seeking justice. I feel like we've talked about this every Sunday, but... I hope that we start seeing that this command is all through the scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. Seeking justice is what God is about. And do you know what justice looks like in this case? In this case, we get it explicitly. God says, what is, what is holy justice? Rescuing the oppressed, defending the orphan, and pleading for the widow. So how do we rescue the oppressed in 2022? What does that look like? We sit down to lunch with somebody that society has pushed to the margins and we listen to their hurts and their desires and we validate that they have dignity no matter who they are. I think we like to overcomplicate these things. You know, uh, the, the, the church of the Nazarene got its name. The Nazarenes were people that were on the outskirts. Can anything good come from there? They came from a people who were marginalized and said that God has a purpose for even the marginalized. How do we defend the orphan? Well, we create a place and we act in such a way that everyone is welcome here, no matter who your mama is or who your daddy is or if you don't have either. We don't care who your mama is. We don't care who your daddy is. We don't care if you don't know who they are. But we're going to be a people that love you. That's what it means to care for the orphan. That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to adopt as many kids as we can, but I do pray that God calls more people to adopt children. But we've got to be a safe place for the orphan. Pleading for the widow? How do we do that? We have to listen and pay attention for ways that we can help people that always had someone to rely on. But in this time of life and in these circumstances, things are different. We help those who would not receive help anywhere else. Verse 18 might be my favorite of this section. Uh, I, in, in one translation it says, Come now, let us argue this out. This is God saying, come on, let's argue. If you were here last Sunday, think of the argument, the silent argument that Lily and Violet had up here. The silent tussle that they had. God is saying, hey, come on, let's, let's fight about this. Let's argue this out. Let us get into a conversation. Some of us here today, you really enjoy arguing. Nothing lights our fire like a good argument, especially when you know you're right. Some of us lose sleep if we have an argument, and others thrive when they're meant. If you're married, you probably have had an argument or two with your significant other. A few years ago, Brittany and I were at a, a ministry training seminar, and, um, and one of the sessions was led by a, a married couple who are both uh, marriage counselors, Christian marriage counselors, a husband and a wife. And it was fascinating in that, in that session, they talked about how in, every, in almost every relationship, there is 
a pursuer and there's a runner. When a married couple gets in an argument, normally one person went away from it and the other person says, we got to talk about this right now. I can't go to sleep until we talk about this. I can't do another task until we talk about this. I can't move on until we discuss this out. And even if you're not married, you can probably think of conflicts and think, yep, I'm a runner or I'm a pursuer. I want to hammer it, figure it out now, and get it over with, get it resolved. Well, in our marriage, there is a, a pursuer and there is a runner, and I won't tell you which one is which, but... It is true for us. The fact that God is saying, come, let's argue this out. What a loving invitation. God is not talking directly to you and I today. God is talking to some terribly awful people that really could care less about God. And he's just crying to them, come on, talk about this. Let's argue. Because you know what happens when you argue? At least you're communicating. At least there's discussion, there's banter, there's, there's connection going on. If we argue this out, we might be able to come to an understanding. God pleads that although they will be the guilty party in the conversation, they are still given an opportunity for forgiveness and removal of guilt. Then such a glorious statement is made. And this is, this is one of those sentences in Scripture that we always, you, you kind of think Jesus would have said this, right? This sounds like a Jesus thing to say. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like, like crimson, they shall be like wool. God is not saying this to those in the group that are some of the better people. But God is offering this to every single one of them, including the worst of the worst. You can enter into this relationship, and although the damage of sin seems unfixable, I can remove that damage, says the Lord. I can make you pure and clean. And I think for some of us, it's hard to grasp the fact that God really has made us clean. We were dirty for so long, or the stain was so stuck, that it's hard for us to believe that God has really made us clean. I had an idea this morning of, of bringing a couple of white t-shirts and having the kids come down and scribble all over them in red marker. Just permanent, just scribble. I didn't know how to not make a huge mess with that, so I refrained. But think about that. A, a red shirt, let's say, or a white shirt, and you spill pizza sauce on it, you, you color on it with red marker, and I know we have some good laundry doers in the house today, even the best of the best, it's not going to come out all the way. You're still going to see a little pink smudge. You're still going to realize, yeah, the shirt's really not perfectly white. It's not. Or if you put it in the washing machine, what happens? Turn other things red. You're just going to share the stain. But when God touches it, the shirts can be made perfectly white. I also didn't have a way to make a shirt with red permanent marker on it completely white. And so I thought, well, that's not a good illustration. 
But I, d I would like the kids to come forward um, and sit on the front row here. And I'm still going to probably make a little bit of a mess, but that's okay. It'll be a cleanable mess. Here, come sit right here, guys. We're going we're gonna to talk about this a little bit. So have you been listening? Do you know what I've said? Or do I need to start over? Start over? All right. So today our scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. All right. I'm going to really try not to make a mess, but we might. All right. So have you heard what I'm talking about, though? There was this really bad, these two bad cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And God, God says, I want to talk to you. He even says, let's argue about it. Let's figure this out. And then he offers to them at the very end, he says, your sins are like scarlet. Do we know what scarlet is? What color is scarlet? Red, right. Think Sam's pants. They can be made white as snow. Sam, will those pants ever be white? Nope. No, no matter how many times you wash them, those pants will never be white. Well, let me show you something. See this red cup? This is going to represent sin, okay? Sin. That's what the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were doing. They were full of sin, and it had marked them. It was obvious, and God knew it, and they knew it. This cup right here, this is going to be us, you, me, all of us, all right? It's clear, right? It's clean. And then the picture here, this is going to be God, all right? pitcher of water, right? Well, you see, just like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, we live in a fallen and broken world. And so, we, sometimes, sin creeps into our life, right? So, let's pour some of that sin in there. And look, instantly, it marked us, right? We are now, now we look just like sin, don't we? We don't look clean anymore. Well, do you think there's a way that this could ever be clean? No? We'd have, we'd have to get a new couple, right? We'd have to start all over. Because how in the world is this going to become clean? Well, what God says in our story today, God says that, hey, I, God, can make your sins that are red like crimson. If you, give, if you allow me to come in and work in your life, they can be made white as snow. Well, it didn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, it's getting there. But look, you see it changing colors? And there it goes. You didn't think it could happen, did you? Oh, okay, you did. Yeah, Violet knew. Violet and Taylor knew. So sometimes when we've done really bad things, it seems like we could never be forgiven, right? You feel hurt. You know that you've done wrong. But even when it seems impossible, God says, I forgive you. And then, you know what? So what we're talking about is in the Old Testament today, right? And then in the New Testament, who comes? 
Jesus. It's the easy answer, right? And you know what Jesus does? Jesus took all of this sin, and he said, I'll put that in my container. And look. God took our sin. And you see it changing? Sin and God don't go together. God is perfectly sinless. And you see that? The sin disappears. Now, now could we ever get the sin back out of there, you think? No. no. And do you think if anybody walked in the sanctuary right now that didn't see this happen, do you think they wouldn't know if there was ever sin on this table? So if, if yeah, it just, it, it's all water, right? So today we can know that it's not that our sin just gets covered up, but it goes away. Through the grace of God, sin is forgiven. And it's not that we just say, well, I might, it, it might come back. But God says, you are forgiven for what you've done. So you guys can go back to your, to your seats. Adults, we need to hear this too. You're not the same person wearing a different shirt. But the Apostle Paul says, if anyone in Christ, they are a new creation. For the old has gone and the new has come, and this cup looks a whole lot different now that God's involved. Just think, I'm not worthy of forgiveness. You're not. <laughs> but God never asked that. God, God just says, hey, enter into this relationship with me. Let's argue this out. Let's talk about it. Because I want to forgive your sin. I want to make you clean. And though our sins were scarlet, we believe today, church, that God can make us a holy people forgiven. So let, let's, I want us to pray together. Pastor Cassie, if you would come. And, and just play for us. I, you know, I think sometimes kids get this better than we do. Because kids think, kids think, oh yeah, God forgave me. Cool. Thank you, God. And sometimes I think as, as adults, we still live remembering our red cup. That was full of sin. And we can't give it up. We can't forget about it. But God says, even to Sodom and Gomorrah. Though your sin was scarlet, it can be white as snow. So today, maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you asked for forgiveness a long time ago and you've been living in such a way that is still wrapped up in the guilt of who you were. I invite you to, to respond in whatever way you see fit. Maybe you need to write in a journal. Maybe you need to come forward and pray. Maybe you need to sit at your seat and pray. Maybe you just need to thank God for the fact that you're a new creation. You're not who you were. And today, if you're sitting here and saying, man, my cup is so red, that picture of forgiveness doesn't run out.
He's still offering forgiveness to you today, forgiveness of sin, and will continue to do so because he wants to know you and love you, and he wants to make your glass clear as water. Come, let's pray together. Father, today we ask for forgiveness. Lord, we ask that if if we've been living in sin, that your forgiveness would wash over us and make us clean. That we would recognize that we didn't just cover up our sin. You didn't just come and wrap us in layers so nobody could see. But you took on our sin and said no more. Lord, we recognize today that that, that we believe that, that sin can enter our lives at any point. Help us to be on guard of that and to recognize that when sin has crept in that we need forgiveness, Lord. Help us to not walk around as a condemned people, but to walk around in our community as a forgiven people who recognize the miraculous work of your grace in our lives that says to us, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And as the end of our text today tells us, help us to be the faithful ones who have to respond faithfully after receiving grace. We have to be good stewards of it. Father, help us today. To, to recognize and to realize that you, you see sin and you want to enter into relationship anyways. We thank you today that you didn't die for most sin, but that you died for all sin. And that we can be forgiven. We thank you, God, for what you're doing here in this place. And would you continue to speak to us even in these next few moments here. Psalm 100 says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For Yahweh is good, and his love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's have one moment of prayer giving thanks to God. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your, how you are different. We thank you for how you make us clean and make us new. Father, we thank you for these harsh words that were written to Sodom and Gomorrah, God, but that are a reminder to us today of what can so easily entangle us. So, Father, may we go from this place as a loving people who are forgiven, who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that no longer have blood on our hands, but that you took that blood for us so that we can, can be your hands and feet in this world. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And actually, if you would be seated for just a moment, Pastor Cassie has one more thing, and then um, I need to meet with the trustees right after service. <laughs>